Live from the Nasdaq market side overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Jeff Mills, Bono and Eisen, and Steve Grasso. Ahead on Fast, Extreme Makeover, Builders, Home Builders Edition. This sector has been hammered down more than 25% this year, but our chart master says now might be the time to build a foundation in these names. Plus, a Friday edition of America's favorite game, Traded or Faded. It's been a brutal week for chips, cars, and gambling. So is now the time to bail on these names or jump back in and later, Elon Musk may be ready to shake up yet another sector of the economy is mining his next target and which companies could benefit from his attention. But we start off with the down day to wrap up a volatile week. The Nasdaq closing near its lows of the day, snapping a three-week winning streak. It is down nearly 4% since Monday. The S&P and the Dow also in the red for the week. This is Treasury rates continue to climb. Ten-year yields topping the 2.7% mark for the first time since March 2019. 30-year mortgage rates above 5%. And take a look at the leaders this week. Most of the gains coming from defensive sectors, healthcare, staples, utilities. So as you get ready to kick off earnings season, are these the names you stick with? Guy, what do you say? Absolutely, Melms. <laughs> Healthcare has been, I mean, look at some of these names. Eli Lilly within a whisper of an all-time high. Bristol Myers, we've been talking about that, breaking out new all-time high. Merck's been getting off the mat over the last month, month and a half. So you absolutely stay with healthcare, and you stay with some of the uh, medical device makers as well. We've talked about those names. And I'll throw energy in there as well. I know we had the big sell-off off the blow-off top in the commodity, but energy, I think it's going to get its giddy-up back as well. So healthcare, energy, stick with it. you got to go to what's safe in this marketplace. As I've said, I, my premise is that we don't know what the Fed is truly going to do. So they've been extremely transparent, and now it, people, including myself, are saying – they can't really do what they say they're going to do. So they've actually become the most transparent they've ever been, yet they're opaque to me. <laughs> so you got to go with safety bets. No one knows what's going to happen with the balance sheet runoff. Is it a cut, 25, 50? Is it three? Is it 75 basis points? So no one knows. So to Guy's point, you got to go with safety. You got to go with health care. AbbVie, one of Karen's names, is my favorite in the space. It's up basically 30% year to date now. Yeah, Jeff, you got to try. Every time you, you come to the show, you bring a great chart and you've got another one. This is more like a table, but, you know, we'll let that go. What is it? Listen, I'm simple minded. I like pictures and cartoons, so I try, try to make things easy. But it speaks exactly to the point that we're talking about. And it's that if you look at the complexion of this rally right now, it doesn't necessarily scream risk on. So let's go through the numbers really quickly. You have 50% of consumer discretionary, 40% of financials, and 30% of industrials all already trading through those February lows. And then on the flip side, so it'll be the defensive side of the coin, you have 0% of utilities, 8% of REITs, and only 10% of healthcare trading through those lows. So the market is very split and the message is very clear. So I would stick with those defensive areas of the market with the addition that I would be adding to quality growth stocks on this next leg down, because I do think we're going to experience another leg down, but we all know there's no way to time the bottom. And I think if you're talking about between now and the end of the year, those quality growth names are gonna have a really nice rally. I don't know if you guys caught the Bank of America note from the strategist there, Michael Hartnett, but um, what caught my eye out of that note was, was the, the following line, inflation shock is worsening, rate shock is beginning, and recession shock 
is coming. Mm. Could, Bono and we be a little bit too pessimistic? Could, could this notion of a recession coming just become so consensus that maybe it doesn't actually happen or that we, we price all of this in early? Just got the shivers. It sounds like the three horsemen. Uh, certainly. I mean, I, I really don't think you can say you see some disparity between re economic recession and price activity in the financial market. So clearly there will be some lag effect there. Uh, I like the plays that the other guys have laid out. I also like how Jeff Mills kind of threw in something there that allows you to add a little bit more beta to the portfolio or some upside performance. I think here in this market, given the inflationary environment, given, given what we're seeing from energy, I think energy overlaid with that, um, with that stapled and that healthcare kind of core portfolio or course holding right now gives you a little bit of that upside uh, and headline risk and momentum. So yeah, I'm in agreement and that would be how I would tilt it a little bit for a little bit more juice in the portfolio. You know, the only problem with the contrarian view that you just laid out, because I'm usually in that camp where everyone's on that side of the boat. Wait, do you so think con it's contrarian to, to say that a recession could be it? coming? No, okay. isn't coming. Yeah. So that we're all lined up with, yes, there's going to be a recession. Rates are going to crimp growth. The, the fact of the matter is the Fed needs to create a recession or to clip some type of demand issue to actually deflate the inflationary environment that we're in. So if, if they don't do that, they're actually not doing what they're setting out to do. Well, that gets to the Bill Dudley opinion piece from earlier this week, that the side effects of all this tightening of these efforts to slow down the economy should be a decline in the stock market. Some might posit, though, Jeff Mills, that a lot of areas of the stock market have, in fact, been corrected already. And so, therefore, the work of the Fed has actually been done when it comes to um, the side effect of bringing stocks down. And you take a look at semiconductors, they're down, what, 20 percent this year? Home builders are down 30 percent. I mean, the list goes on and on here in terms of subsectors of the market. Yeah, there's no question that you've seen some damage that you could buy into. But I think even buying into that damage, you're probably going to have to be patient here. I have this like news article title in my head, you know, moving averages where oversold bounces go to die. And I feel like that's exactly what you we're seeing right see here. Like the strong that, areas Jeff. of the market. <laughs> a little too <laughs> negative for you, Steve. But, you know, look at all of the quote strong areas of the market. Right. And the charts are all the same. And you mentioned semis, triple Q's, Google, Amazon, transports, all right back to that 200 day moving average and failing. The weak areas of the market, ARC, Facebook, Netflix, banks, Nike, Disney, all back to the 50-day and now rolling over again. So that's just what makes me nervous about the market's ability to make new highs here. I don't think we necessarily need to fall off a cliff and drop 20 or 30 percent. I just think it's going to be really difficult to make new highs in a short period of time. The steepening in the yield curve, too, is also concerning. This is the most steepening that we've seen since 2013, Guy, and recessions are always preceded or happen after a steepening of the yield curve. And I know, I know, because I'm inside your head sometimes, and today is one of those times um, that, that you were looking at that today. I don't know how you got there because I had the door locked. I was, <laughs> I was worried that you'd give it a shot. No, you know, you're right. I was watching it. I watched in amazement for the last literally year how broken the bond market is. But you're right to point that out. And, you know, we went from obviously inverted yield curve in the twos, tens. Now it's steepening a bit. Uh, I don't want to make too much out of it. What I will say is this. Rates are going up for the wrong reasons. Rates are not going up because we have some robust economic growth. They're, growing, they're going up because inflation is out of control. 
And I think I think what we're all saying in one way, shape, or form is the Fed's going to do what they need to do to tamp it down, and they're going to be uh, they're going to be ancillary effects on the back mm-hmm. of it. They're not going to be good to the stock market, in my opinion. All right. Meantime, that rise in Treasury yields driving mortgage rates to multi-year highs, and that's had a big impact on home builders. Take a look at the moves lower this week in names like Lennar and DR Horton. But the chartmaster says the sector may be due for a second look. Let's dive into those charts with, with uh, Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Carter, what are you looking at? You bet. I mean, sometimes you can just uh, try something for a trade. As we know, it doesn't have to be a value call. It doesn't have to be a long-term call. And that was the point of the client note sent out yesterday evening that home builders seem a bit extreme here playing for a perspective bounce. Let's look at a couple charts. So this is a an important one. This is the actual S&P 500 home builders sub-industry group as constructed by Standard & Poor's. And what we know is that, and you see the annotation, this huge new high, and then of course this 34% sell-off, which leaves us where? Right back at the prior peak when home builders peaked in 05. The irony is, of course, the interest rates on the 10-year were five and a quarter in 05, and right now they're two seven. The other irony is, of course, earnings are double essentially what they were in 05 and what they are now. And so fundamentals, are they cheaper then than now? I would think so. Are rates much more favorable to seven than five and a quarter? I would think so. But either way, I think you can trade on the long side. So look at the next chart. This is the same thing. It's the um, it's the sub-industry group, but it's over the past 10 years, 12 years since the 09 low with the 150-day moving average. And we are basically as far below trend as we were uh, on the COVID low. So again, another way to depict uh, sort of an oversold condition. And then the here and now chart, uh, this is the uh, home builders just over the past one year. And finally, look at this chart, the next one, uh, one way to draw the lines. It's a well-defined channel. You can see it there. Those are mathematically parallel lines. And we've come down to the penny to the lower band. And I think here you can play uh, for a bounce. And then finally, um, the vehicle, the, the table here, this is the way to do it. You could use the Spider, the XHB, but the purest one here is the iShares uh, ITB. Uh, it's down 12 of the past 14 weeks. Again, a 30% uh, sell-off at this point. And you're capturing a lot of themes. It's not just Pulte and Lennar and Toll, but you're getting Mohawk and Sherwin-Williams. You're getting Ethan Allen, Leggett Platt, uh, Home Depot and Lowe's. So we're thinking play for a balance. It's a trade. When the man says mathematically parallel, you listen. Carter, we'll see you on Options Action shortly. Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Jeff Mills, one home builder in particular catches your eye, I believe, as a trade. Yeah, it's, it's a name that I've mentioned before, and I, I like it just because of the way it's situated in the market. But I, my guess is if you were to look at any number of home builders, it would look the same. But DR Horton uh, is a name I looked into today. So it's 20% below its 200-day moving average. And to Carter's point, probably p- prime for a little bit of a pop. It's only been 20% below that 200-day twice in the last 20 years, once in 2011 and once in 2020. So in 2011, over the next six months, it was up 38%. It outpaced the S&P 500 by 23%. And you saw a similar pop and similar outperformance in 2020. And oh, by the way, it's trading at four times forward. So valuation, not a great timing tool, but there's definitely room above this stock for an oversold bounce. So when I look at the home builders, I I, I don't go back to the Great Recession. I go back to Mm pre-pandemic. 
So in, in my idea of where the home builders should be is they should be below pre-pandemic. Rates are, to, to everything that Carter said, rates are, um, are, are moving higher than they were then. We're going into a recessionary environment. So I, I think while Carter says they're good for a trade, Maybe, but I agree with Jeff on DR Horton as the only one that I would be investing in. Mm -hmm. They are spec builders, means they have supply. So everything that's hitting the market right now is they have no workers, they can't find supply issues, they have issues with lumber and everything else. These, uh, this builder actually has a supply of homes already on the market because they're spec builders. All right, coming up. A harsh week for cars, chips, and casinos. Too late to get out, or is this an opportunity to dig in deeper? Answers in our Friday edition of Traded or Faded. And Tesla looking to break into another industry. Elon Musk dropping a clue on Twitter just hours ago. We've got all the details coming up on Fast Money. Welcome back to Fast Money. A couple of stocks having a particularly tough week. Ford, Penn National, and NVIDIA tumbling at least 10%. But are these names worth a buy? Sounds like a question we can answer in America's favorite game. Trade it or fade it. That's right. Trade it or fade it. So let's kick things off with Ford. Guy, you know the rules, I believe. Trade it or fade it. I do know the rules. I will say the guys and gals in EC jumped a little bit there. With the, with the sound effects, but that's okay. It's a Friday. I get it. Trade it, Mel, and I'll tell you why. Because that March 2020 low, four bucks, give or take, recent high we made north of 26. The 50% retracement is $15. That's where we are. Valuations at seven times next year's numbers. They report, I think, in a couple weeks. You get long the name into earnings. Bono, what do you say? You've got me on the other side of the godfather. He looks like he's going to meet me after the show and make me an offer I can't refuse. I'm sorry, guy, but I've got to fade this one. Um, This is just not where I want to be in the consumer complex. You're talking about a move from durable goods to services. Doesn't really check out there. You're talking about inflation pressure, supply supply constraints. All those all don't bode well for a, a truck company that really makes a lot of their money in that truck margin where crude prices are higher. For all those reasons, I've got to fade it. There'll be better days ahead. All right, let's move on. NVIDIA, Steve Grasso, trade it or fade it. I'm going to fade this one, Mel. And I, I believe the semiconductor space is boom bust. We're in a boom area for it now. But if you look at the stock, it recently bounced off the, off the October 2021 support level then failed. It's down 21% year to date. For me, I think that companies are going to overorder semiconductors now. We're going to get into that bust period. That's even though I love the stock, it's the, uh, you know, it's the internet of everything in NVIDIA. Unfortunately, I'm going to be a fade. And the metaverse where you can apparently build your own burrito at Chipotle's <laughs> restaurant. Um, Jeff Mills, where do you stand on NVIDIA? <laughs> So, Mel, I'm, I'm not going to say that I prefer AMD because of the valuation, because that would be a self-would-you-rather, and I would never do that, especially <laughs> on a Friday. Uh, but relative to NVIDIA, I'm going to trade this one. You know, I, I think it falls under the quality defense theme that I've been talking about. You know, it, we all know it's a great company. Steve pointed that out, exposed to a ton of huge growth areas. The stock is, is not cheap, but it's no longer ridiculous. And I just think investors are going to pay up for 30% EPS growth, 30 plus percent margins. 
as the overall market's earnings picture starts to slow down. And then obviously long term, it's very hard to bet against. So trade this one. I think that's even worse because you acknowledge the rule exists and then you openly defied it. So I'm keeping my eye on He also you. is hearing General. headlines in his head. So we're not dealing with a very sane person tonight, are we, Jeff? Perhaps not. Perhaps not. <laughs> uh, we will move on, though, and do Penn Gaming, which Jeff will trade or fade. What do you say? So this is a stock I've been in and out of. I'm out of it right now, so I, I don't have any skin in the game. But I, I do think you can trade it here. You know, this is a stock that's gone from euphoria to now, in my estimation, sort of utter disdain. And I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. So you have a stock down 70%. So I think there's room above it from these levels. If you look at the chart, I am seeing some support around those pre-COVID levels. And I just think in terms of the business, the stock price here is underestimating just the simple brick and mortar business that they have. And then there's clearly that opportunity in online gaming. So trade it, put it in your drawer, look at it in three years. Guy, what do you say? Fade it. I'm fading Penn Gaming, Penn & Teller, William Penn. The only pen I'm trading are pen reels for you Fisher people out there. Stock has been grim death now, two-year low, has not capitulated yet. Wait for a day, and it's coming, where it trades 40 million shares, makes a new 52-week low. Then you trade it. It ain't happened yet, sister. I thought you were going to say the only pen you're not fading is Bic, but um, now for a bonus name, <laughs> this one a winner, Kroger, the supermarket chain soaring this week. Again, this speaks to the kind of market we are in currently. So, Bonwin, do you trade it or fade it? Uh, I'm fading this one. There's really not much to dislike about the company itself. I mean, relatively low P.E., defensive name, consumer staples. But if you look at the recent price action, it's really made a parabolic move higher and it's just overbought. RSI is up around 80. So I'll wait for a better entry point. I'm fading it. Steve Grasso. I'd hate to go against the godson here on this one, but I am a trader <laughs> of Kroger. Prices go up fast. They come down slower. They've been able to pass on those price increases. I do believe that this one is the one of the very few stocks in the marketplace that has momentum as you started the segment out. So this one, I think we're okay to be a trader in. All right. Coming up on Options Action, a safety play that may be getting long in the tooth. But first, Elon Musk creates a new buzz as he suggests he is getting in on another industry. They'll tell you what it is. We are live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Elon Musk looking to dip his toes in yet another business, suggesting on Twitter that Tesla could take lithium mining into its own hands, Musk citing the slow pace of mining as a reason for sky-high prices. Take a look at the move in Lithium Americas. Getting a pop just as the tweet hit, but finishing the day down more than 7%. It's been a tough week for Lithium Americas, by the way. Um, Jeff Mills, it seems crazy at first, but then you think, you know what, he's just solidifying all his, all his uh, supplies. I mean, if you're going to make chips and you're going to program cars, why not have the raw materials in lithium? Yeah, and I would never you know, bet against Elon Musk's ability to, to do something like this. I, I guess the question is, you know, can they do it better? I, I think the answer is, is probably, but, and I don't understand this enough, but it seems to me like a lot of the slowness associated with actually mining this stuff is government approvals and regulation. It's not about technology 
and building a better, better mousetrap. So that's what Tesla obviously uh, would have an advantage in. So, you know, I, I just don't know. In terms of a stock like Lithium Americas, you know, we talked about them earlier in the week. I said you have to be careful. The stock could drop 25% in the blink of an eye due to headlines. So, you know, maybe that's, that's what we're seeing now. But it feels like there's room for several players here just because of the demand. And it also feels like, you know, you can sell to other people other than Tesla. There are a lot of people trying to grow really rapidly in EVs right now. It's not like Elon Musk was just sort of like, oh, I think I'll tweet about lithium. He's actually been thinking about this for quite some time. On Battery Day, if you recall, in 2020, he talked about a better um, extraction process. They actually filed a patent. Tesla did file a patent for a kind of process to extract lithium from clay minerals in a more cost-effective way, guys. So this is something that's been on his mind for quite some time. And I think it was this whole thing has been accelerated by what he saw that move in nickel, that 30 standard deviation move a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, nickel's very important as well. So it makes a lot of sense. You know, if anybody can do it, it's him. I think Jeff is right to point out LAC. We were talking about that stock when it was 24, traded up to 40 ish, pulled back. But if it gets a 20 handle again, you buy it because this name, the people are going to be talking about this for a long time, LAC, without question. All right. It is time now for the final trade on a Friday. Let's go around the horn. Guy, what do you say? Tenant Healthcare. And by the way, Mel, I know you were watching. The Yankees won in extras. Back to you. <laughs> Bono and Ison. You know, we mentioned the defensive stuff in the beginning of the show. Healthcare was what came to mind. I'm going to reiterate it at the end of the show. Pfizer. Jeff Mills. We're talking about defense, inflation, gold obviously falls into that bucket. So Newmont Mining, it's making its first new high in 35 years. Talk about a breakout. I think it goes higher. Steve Grasso. You heard what I thought about Kroger earlier on in the show. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be my final trade. I think you're okay to stay in that one. Maybe not just for a trade. I think you have a little bit of longevity in that one as well. All right. That does it for us here on Fast Money after what has been a volatile week in the markets. Do not go anywhere. Options Action is up next. 